Welcome to 24 Hour Expert, where we challenge each other to see what we can learn on random topics in just a day. I'm Allie. And I'm Amy. Let's see what we've learned. Amy, I can't even begin to describe how excited I am that not only do we get to release an episode on Halloween, but that it's my episode. I'm very excited for you. I, I wouldn't want it even if it was my episode, so you can have it. So last October, I did Halloween as a topic, but I wanted to still keep it spooky. So this year, we are going to be talking about one of my favorite things. I know I said that about beer, too, but this is another big one for me. Horror movies. Oh. I'm not that excited about this topic. I thought beer was great. I support beer. I don't support horror movies. Yeah, yeah, I know, because you're a fraidy cat. I'm a fraidy cat. I'm not, I'm not ashamed of that. I have very strategically navigated my way through life without watching very many horror movies at all. And... I will tell you, even when I did, I had loopholes because I would put back in the old days when you had the little iPod. Remember iPad Nanos? Yeah. I would put it in my hoodie pocket and then fish my headphones up through my hoodie and put my earbuds in my ear and then pull my hood up because then I'd be like, oh, I'm so scared. Hide behind my hood. I realized that people can't hear that. And so now my face just got weird or my voice just got weird. But in any case, I was making a scaredy cat face. And then I would just listen to music really loud so I couldn't understand what was happening. And it worked every time because all of these stupid boys that I liked in high school and college were like, this was a scary movie. No. Let's watch Enchanted and have a lovely evening. Thank you. (laughs) Fair enough. Fair enough. And I will tell you, my husband currently, and this is how I knew he was the one amongst other reasons, doesn't like scary movies either. For the sole reason, I'm just kidding. For the sole reason we're together is that we don't like scary movies. Oh, that'd be hysterical. All right, let's get into it because I have six pages of notes here for us. Oh my God, okay. (laughs) The definition, real quick. The horror film is defined by the Dictionary of Film Studies as representing disturbing and dark subject matter, seeking to elicit responses of fear, terror, disgust, shock, suspense, and of course, horror from their viewers. What a great definition. Very colorful. Thank you. I don't like any of those emotions. Okay. So let's go through a kind of quick history about horror movies. Then we'll get into some classic horror movie elements. We'll talk about the top grossing horror movies. We'll end with my favorite horror movies. I wanted to get into famous directors and things like that, but it was getting very long. So I'll maybe save that for a follow-up or maybe I'll just do a director's or something. I don't know. But okay, let's get moving. The history. Horror films, as you might imagine, started shortly after movies started, which isn't surprising because people are always fascinated with spooky and unknown things. A lot of them stem from urban legends and folklore and all the things that go bump in the night. No, I don't support. I feel like really you should have a different partner for this one. I feel like I'm just going to be a real negative Nancy. I'm going to try and turn it around. Just try and feed off my enthusiasm. I will do my very best. Okay. 
The first horror-esque movie was in 1898 called, and I'm not going to say this right, The Menor du Diable, or The Haunted Castle, or The House of the Devil. It was meant to be more wondrous than scary, but it includes bats, a cauldron, witches, a vampire warlock guy, his henchmen. They fight like a knight or something. You can actually watch it on YouTube, and it's just over three minutes long, so very quick watch. Wow. Yeah. From 1900 to 1920s, there was a lot of supernatural-themed films, and filmmakers would often turn classic stories like Frankenstein, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, and the werewolf into movies. So things that had been books or stories were yeah, translated taking, into movies. Yeah, horror, suspense, books, and making them into movies. In the 1920s, things really started to take off. We have The Cabinet of Dr. Calgary and Nosferatu, which, very big ones. These were the first movies that were really trying to unsettle their audience. So even though I said, you know, this other one, the... What was it the House of the Devil or the Haunted Castle was kind of technically the first. These were the first ones who were actively trying to be unsettling. Wow. Then we get into movies that start having sound. And then it wasn't until the 1930s that the term horror was first used to describe the genre. Oh. Fun fact, before being called horror movies, they were classified as romance melodrama with dark elements. How misleading. I know. <laughs> that sounds like something I would watch, and I wouldn't watch any of this. I know, I know. It was around this time that the general public started to get worried, and there started to be heavy censorship, and there was some public outcry as new films were pushing the boundaries. One example of this that was noted in the article I read was the movie Freaks, which from a poster that was in the article looked like it was about and I don't like using this term, but like circus freaks or oh. sideshow freaks, you know, people would call them. Okay. From 1932. And apparently it was so shocking that it got cut extensively. As we move into the 40s and 50s, and with the war ravaging Europe and fear of nuclear fallout running rampant, features became less supernatural in nature and became more about radioactive mutation or invasions and this was the beginning of the disaster movie genre oh isn't there some a movie called like the thing or something that's like a radioactive blob well there's i know there's one called the blob i'm Maybe sure there's the also blob. one called the thing that's yeah. interesting yeah of those like old old ones i have seen creature from the black lagoon that was pretty good Trying to think what other ones. I think I've seen The Cabinet of Dr. Calgary in a film class, but it's been a very long time. I'd have to read the synopsis to refresh myself, but moving on. Fun fact, in the 50s and 60s, studios would actually pay people to sit in audiences and scream and pretend to faint during the movie to make the experience scarier for the other moviegoers. Wow, quite experiential marketing there. Yeah, but that didn't last very long because as you can imagine, that was quite expensive. In the 60s, the appetite for gore and slasher films was so high that low-budget films were constantly being churned out. Zombie movies got their start in this period with Night of the Living Dead. And fun fact, that was made for just over $100,000, and it grossed over $30 million. Wow, that's a big return. Yeah. In the 70s and 80s, the occult was popular, especially houses and children being possessed by the devil. Uh. 
big movies of this time period, The Exorcist, The Omen. I've seen none, but I've heard of both. And I've seen the original Omen, and the first time I watched it, so, spoiler alert, I guess, it's very old, so. (laughs) But the little kid in the movie is the son of the devil. Oh. Or is the devil, something like that. It's been a very long time. But it was actually pretty creepy. Moving on, Stephen King books start to become popular to make into movies. Carrie, The Shining. We get into the 80s, and slasher films were popular. A quote from an article I read, and I have to share because it was so perfect. Our relentless antagonists hunting down teenagers in very creative ways. (laughs) So there are some great ones that are my favorites. Texas Chainsaw Massacre, Halloween, Friday the 13th, Nightmare on Elm Street. Um, You would be very proud. I don't know which one of those I've seen, but the one that takes place at a camp. Friday the 13th. I've seen the first one. Okay, nice. Thank you. I'm very proud of you because the Friday the 13th are some of my favorites. Yeah. Who is that, though? That's Jason. Hockey mask. Hockey mask. But okay. in depending on which one you watch, he might have not had the hockey mask yet. Mm, okay. But we don't need to get into all those nitty-gritty details. Well, I just had to claim the ones I've seen. Hopefully you'll list other ones I've seen so that I can get some street cred, even if I did have my earphones in the whole time. There you go. Yeah. And those ones now are so campy, I think you'd be fine. I mean, I've seen parts of The Exorcist because wasn't there like a, pardon me if you've got a queasy stomach, like a vomiting scene that's kind of like outdated now? Yes, yes. And actually, fun fact, I read about that scene. So there's a priest who's, you know, doing The Exorcist. And then Reagan is the girl who's possessed. She throws up and it's splashed on the priest or the priest, there's a couple of them in the room. And those actors weren't expecting to be hit by the fake vomit. And so their reactions in the movie are their actual reactions. Oh, wow. That is a fun fact. Yeah. Another fun fact, it was the first time in horror movies that multiple sequels became commonplace. And this is Halloween, Friday the 13th, Nightmare on Elm Street that I'm talking about. Got it. Going into the 90s, we have a lull in popularity. CG monsters did a little bit to revive the genre, but horror comedies like Braindead and Scream were met with overwhelming success. I've seen Scream. Yep. And now, in modern day, we've seen some really new and innovative movies, as well as, and it's actually getting kind of annoying to me, a ton of reboots and remakes. Yeah. Isn't there a new Halloween coming out this year? Yes. And those ones, I will say, have been pretty good, but some of them... I just, and those are more like continuing the story, but some of these reboots are just completely redoing the movie. And some of them, I should have specific examples, and I'm sorry, I don't. Isn't there a new omen or a newer omen? There is one, yeah. And they mix it up a little bit, but I just don't like the ones that feel like it's a shot for shot remake. We We don't need that. Although I will say, I just watched this past weekend the remake of Hellraiser. And I liked it better than the original. They completely revamped the whole thing. And I thought the new story was much easier to follow. And Hellraiser, just for people who don't know, you might recognize it's the one with the guy with all the pins in his head. Yeah, I know that. I don't know the context, but I'm glad you enjoyed it. I did. I I thought it was a worthy remake. So now let's talk about what are the different subgenres of horror movies? So we have demonic possession. We have the paranormal. (laughs) I'm 
so ill-equipped for this. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Okay. Monster, slasher, zombie, gore, witchcraft, vampire, found footage, comedy, psychological. It goes on and on. So I actually found a I actually found a really great chart from horroronscreen.com. So real quick, they have it broken down into four main categories. And then each one is sub broken down. The commitment. Super quick. I'm going to go through this. So gore and disturbing is one of the main categories. And then what falls under that is torture, splatter, cannibal, and anything that's extreme. Our next major category is psychological. So phobias, madness, paranoia, home invasion, survival. Our next main category is killer. We have slasher, crime, bumpkin rednecks. Don't love those terms, but it gives us a pretty clear visual. Next major category, monster. We have zombies, which are broken into two subgenres, undead and virus. Then the rest of the subgenres under monster are vampire, werewolf, neo-monsters, animals in nature, small creatures, werewolf, classical and mythological, giant monsters, sci-fi and alien. And then our last major category is paranormal, and we have ghosts and spirits, haunted house, possession, Devil and demons and anything having to do with hell, witches and the occult, and supernatural powers. I'm so stressed out. <laughs> Just like every part of my body is so stressed out right now. Like, I'm so happy for you to have found this chart. It's a great chart. Really, really well done. Now let's move into some common horror movie tropes. Oh, this I can get behind. Yeah, it's fun. So I'm going to kind it's of... fun. I'm going to kind of break it down... And there is way more than I could ever put into this. So I just tried to pick popular ones that everybody would recognize. So for storylines, we have there's an abandoned place. Somebody says, oh, don't go there. But they go anyway. Mm -hmm. We have the dumb characters that don't listen. Yeah. The almost invincible monster who is almost always unleashed somehow very specific. And there's a really specific way that they need to be killed. We have ancient evil. It's often a force or a species or an ancient civilization that are awakened to take over the world or cause chaos. We have cults that are unleashing evil or starting the apocalypse. Possession. We have breakdown of sanity. You know, where people are slowly getting... Yep. More delusional. Yes. Thank you. Also, urban legends coming to life. Science gone wrong. We're out in space and there's aliens and monsters. So so those are some very common storylines. I would just like to say, I could come up with at least one thing that I'm aware of for most of those. Awesome. I should have made it. I also you should have. Well, I made you do it for rom com, so it would have been fair. But in fairness, the thing that stuck out to me is like the very specific monster that can only be broken by one thing. Yeah. Because isn't there a movie where, like, the aliens hate music and then their heads explode or something like that? Oh, in a silent place. I don't know if it's music, but it's a very specific tone. No, it's older. And it's like they try to get to the radio station and they turn it all on and then oh. all the aliens' heads explode. Oh, I can picture exactly what you're saying, but my brain is... They're like, it's like a fiery radio station scene at the end and like the final. Anyway, anyway, I came up with one and that's all that matters. There you go. Yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about, but it escapes me at the moment. 
It's okay. It's probably not a well-known one if I've seen it. I do like, like, whatever they call, like, B-level horror, like, when you go back to, like, the 80s and stuff. Yeah, just kind of campy and fun. Yeah, where it's, like, very obvious. I can get behind some of that. Oh, for sure. And I, I do like the comedy horror stuff that makes fun of, you know, these common tropes. Yeah. All right, so common elements that you might see. All of a sudden, your phone doesn't work. Somebody says, let's split up. Ugh. You're going to have a jump scare. Someone's going to close the door. Something's going to be there. You're going to look into a mirror. Something's going to be there. I am very vulnerable to a jump scare. Even when not in a horror movie scenario, even if it's just like an action movie, I cannot handle a jump scare. Oh, we're going to talk about why that is. You might fall down when you're running. There's going to be evil clowns or possessed childhood toys that are supposed to be innocent, but they're not. There's going to be a creepy old person or some townie telling people not to go somewhere that'll be ignored. Or a slow lullaby. Yeah. There's the, and I Ugh. don't like this word, but quote unquote, crazy person. That's warning everybody, but nobody believes them. An underwater foot grab, usually in a dark lake. Or maybe you fall Ugh. asleep in a bathtub and you're pulled under. There's going to be cute kids being creepy. There's going to be a random expert in a forgotten language or culture that somehow is going to help you survive. You're going to find the exact right old book explaining the origin of something that you need to know. Very intense. There's going to be evil dolls, obviously. Obviously. There's going to be the final girl who survives at the end, often a virgin. Jessica Biel. Yeah. There's going to be, even though I don't think she was a virgin in that movie. Oh, I'm not well, commenting on Jessica Biel in general, but I'm just saying. What is that movie, though? Texas Chainsaw. Like a remake of Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I don't think I've seen the whole thing, but I saw the end. There's going to be a diverse group of teenagers that are slowly picked off one by one. <laughs> you're going to have a car, but no car keys. Or you're going to have the car keys, but the car won't start. The weapon you need is going to be just out of reach. The lights are not going to work, or the power is going to go out. There'll be a convenient storm. The monster How long won't... is your list? I'm almost to the end. Okay, keep going. The monster won't really be dead. And once you thought everything was over, there'll be one last scare or cliffhanger. Ugh, I don't support it. And then, no, just kidding, that was it. <laughs> and then, and then. Honestly, watching you describe these so excitedly makes me so genuinely happy. But then I just think about the reality of what all that means, and I'm like, no, never mind. But you're so excited. I'm so happy for you. So excited. Okay, I was going to go into character tropes, but I think I said enough already. So we're just going to move right along. I found a really great resource called 101 Horror Tropes for Writers. So the website is Writers Write, and then you can just look up 101 Horror Tropes for Writers. And also the Creepy Catalog website had a good list of horror tropes. All right, moving on to, and this was really fun to read, Cinematic Techniques. Oh, goodness. So let's talk about how we make horror movies scary. I don't want to. <laughs> a big one is the use of negative space, which means everything in the frame that isn't the subject of focus. So that's what negative space is. Mm -hmm. So usually when you're watching a movie, there's a balance of negative space and positive space. But too much negative space gives the audience an uncomfortable feeling. Because most films have balance space, when it's off, it makes you feel tense. Like you can sure. feel something's off. A newer technique that is being used is called subversion, where you expect something to happen. For example, 
a character bends down to wash their face, and when they stand back up, you expect something to be in the mirror, but it doesn't happen. So it's when the horror movie is refusing the jump scare, so you have that feeling of being left hanging, which will make you uncomfortable because you know something's coming, but you don't know when, and it didn't come when you thought it would come. Oh, that sounds terrible. Yeah. Another technique is nonlinear sounds. So this is sounds like distressed animals, people screaming, a clunking oil rig, all that give you a general sense of unease. So humans are instinctively conditioned to feel danger when they hear high-pitched squeals. Yeah, that makes sense. Another sound technique, and we all know, oh, anyone that watches horror movies, that the soundtrack and the music play a big part in building up the tension, right? Right. So there's something called infrared sound, which is a low frequency that you can't hear, but your body feels it. Shut up! It's actually a naturally occurring phenomenon found in wind, earthquakes, avalanches, anything kind of rumbly. Wow. Yeah. And it's particularly unsettling over long periods of time. And actually, I should have put in my notes and I didn't, but there was a movie that had several minutes straight of it, and people watching in the theater actually started getting nauseous and some had to leave. Wow. Yeah. That's crazy. Right. Another is subliminal images. So there's a really good example of this. So in The Exorcist, there's three times where you see Captain Howdy. Apparently that's the name of one of the demons possessing Reagan's body for an eighth of a second. The director of The Exorcist, William Friedkin, Friedkin, if I'm saying that right, did an interview in 2012 and said he lamented that the film was now available in digital format. He said, you couldn't catch it before VHS. And now you can stop the DVD and stare at it. So he didn't like that he had inserted the subliminal image. And now with modern technology, it was people are pausing and, you know, screenshotting it and kind of takes away from the effect of it. I mean, I don't support the subliminal part of it, but if you were going for it, I guess that would be frustrating. Yes. And the article that I read clarified that the subliminal images they use are not anything like brainwashing or any of that. They're not going to convince you to go buy a Coca-Cola or anything. They just use it to unsettle (laughs) you. (laughs) The next technique is tight framing. So this induces anxiety because you can't see what's around the protagonist. So when you know something's happening, but they're really zoomed in on the protagonist, it's unsettling not to be able to see what's happening. Right. Jump scares, Amy. We all know this one. You love them. Hate them. And the article I read noted, when done right, is incredibly effective. No, loathe entirely, as the Grinch would say. Yeah. So there was actually a doctor who did research on jump scares and found that if you can get people already in a heightened alert state, they are more susceptible to a jump scare. So if you're on edge waiting for it, it's going to get you harder than if you didn't see it coming. So that's why, Amy, you're very susceptible, because you're already way heightened. As a human, I'm way heightened. Yeah. I see. Really, there's nothing I can do about it at this point, but I don't support it in either manner. I just thought that it was really interesting that when you're anticipating and there's that tension, it actually makes it your response worse. Yeah. Really interesting. This one always weirds me out. Irregular movement. When Ugh, something like moves. slithery, bendy, crawly. Or like when people move like their bones are broken. Anytime that something moves in a way that it shouldn't, no thank you. Huh. We found your Achilles heel of horror movies. Oh, yeah. I don't. It's freaky. 
So you didn't like The Ring Girl then? I mean, I like that movie. It's a great movie. Mm. I've never seen it. But I've yeah. just seen the clips. She's Can we? Freaky. I need to have a. Okay. Can we not play horror movie audio on commercials after 9 p.m.? That is so rude. <laughs> okay. I don't want to be sitting here watching my HGTV and then all of a sudden horror movie commercial comes on. Now my whole night is ruined. I just oh. feel like they should stick to the channels that aren't. But they should stick to the other channels. Okay. Well, fair enough. Don't be on HGTV. Thank you. Onward. Our next one are mirrors or reflections. So obviously we can use these for jump scares or something else sometimes is happening in the reflection that isn't happening in the quote unquote real world. So Oculus is a movie that had an evil mirror and they would have characters in the mirror doing something that the characters in, again, quote unquote, real life weren't doing. That can be very unsettling. And that was a very good movie too. Under exposure of lighting, there's a lot of lighting tricks that they use. So darker images, or sometimes they use abrupt color changes, all create that spooky feel. This was an interesting one. Scenes that are longer than they need to be. So I guess the kind of psychology behind this is we naturally understand how long a scene should be. So for example, a conversation or somebody's getting dressed. We know what the beginning, middle, and end of a conversation looks like, or we know what the beginning and middle end of somebody getting dressed for the day looks like. So in horror movies, even after the conversation is over or the person is done getting dressed, the scene just keeps going. So we're sitting there watching and waiting and wondering. Building up that tension. Yeah, so it could be a totally innocent, common, everyday thing, but as it keeps dragging out, we're like, okay, maybe it's not so innocent every day fascinating. Yeah, it was a really fascinating one. The last one, but it's a big one. Anticipation. Well played. Like what I did there? I did. Thank you. Thank you. I could feel myself getting on edge. <laughs> Perfect. So really drawing something out, even if you know how it'll end, drawing it out still is going to build up the tension. There's some, there's a ton more, but there's some of the techniques that horror movies use. Now let's talk about the top 11, because I wanted to include number 11 because I like this movie, (laughs) highest grossing horror movies. When you said grossing earlier, I translated it to gross, but I understand now that you mean earnings. Earnings. Dollar dollar bills, y'all. Got it. All right. Coming in at number 11, The Mummy, the 1999 version with Brendan Fraser. That's not scary. Uh, I guess it's technically... A horror movie. Although when those little beetle things, spoiler alerts, those things, I have never been able to forget. Oh, yeah. Those are creepy. Okay. In fairness, it was kind of a scary movie. Also, I love Brandon Fraser. The the scarabs, right? That's what they are. Yeah, yeah. And then that guy was like, no. Yeah. Okay. Coming in at number 10, The Mummy Returns. Mm. Number nine, The Exorcist. Mm. Eight, Jaws. It, Chapter 2, and that's the 2019 remake. The Meg, which mm. uh, I don't know that I'd consider that horror, but that's okay. World War Z, so that's a zombie one. I think that's Brad Pitt. Mm. I Am Legend is number Aww. four, and that's zombie Will Smith, I believe. Number three, War of the Worlds, and that was $603,873,119. Wow. Number two, The Sixth Sense, oh. with... 
$292. I've seen that one. That was a very good one. That was a good one. Very groundbreaking. And the number one highest grossing horror film is It, which is the 2017 remake. So part one to the part two that was earlier on our list. And that was $700,381,759. Wow. Okay, let's start wrapping it up. My top horror movies. So these are not in a particular order, but I've kind of broken them down by horror genre. I'm ready. Classic. I love Friday the 13th Part 2. And that is? That's the first time we see Jason. Because in Friday the 13th, the original movie, his mother is the bad guy, not him. Jason is the... Hockey mask. Okay. My favorite remake are the It ones that I mentioned in our top grossing ones. Okay. Or the... With Pennywise. Yep. Yeah, he's the clown. Or the Texas Chainsaw Massacre remake with Jessica Biel. And then they did like a prequel to that one, which I also thought was good. Mm. Made me scream for real out loud was Insidious, the original one. But I love the whole franchise. Best for people who don't traditionally like horror. This includes my husband. The Conjuring. I love the whole franchise, except for The Nun. I'm not on board with that one. My favorite campy horror movie is Sleepaway Camp. Nope. My favorite poking fun at itself kind of comedy horror is Cabin in the Woods and Behind the Mask, The Rise of Leslie Vernon. Okay. Movies that genuinely freaked me out, The Blair Witch, because I don't like when you don't see the monster, and The Woods creep me out. Agreed. Agreed. That was one I did my iPod trick with. And Sinister. That one weirdly gave me nightmares. I don't normally have nightmares after horror movies. Mm. My favorite space horror movie is Event Horizon. Other shout outs, Oculus, which I mentioned earlier, Alien, Sunshine, The Science of the Lambs, Red Dragon, Halloween. I also like Nightmare on Elm Street. I do like Nightmare on Elm Street, but it would definitely come in third for me after Friday the 13th, Jason Hockey Mask, and Halloween, Okay, Michael Myers White with the Knife. White Mask, Red yeah, Hair. Yeah, it's like a William Shatner mask. Fun fact, they yeah. painted a William Shatner mask white to make that mask. Huh. And then Nightmare on Elm Street is Freddy Krueger, Amy's favorite guy. No. No. Should I tell the story of how you ruined my life? Yeah, I think, I think it's, a good, it's a good place to end. It might have been mildly dramatic. That was mildly dramatic for sure. It didn't ruin my life. It just scarred me a little bit. So Allison has a bust of... Freddy Krueger. Thank you. <laughs> Someone, a horror movie guy, Freddy Krueger. And by a bust, I mean like the shoulders, neck, and head. Life-size. That Life-size. Life-size, shoulder, neck, and head of Freddy Krueger that she wanted to keep in our shared bedroom growing up but was ousted to the basement. And it had a motion sensor on it that would make him laugh when you would go pie it. So in Halloween season, she was allowed to have it upstairs, and then it was down in the basement. Well, I was home by myself one night. By myself, he's in the basement. He starts laughing, and I was done. There was no reason he should have been laughing. There was no one in the basement. I called Allie. She's like, I'm sure his batteries are just dying. Go down there and check it out. And I was like, absolutely, I will not do that. There's not a chance in the world that I could go do that. So that is where we draw the line with horror movies. And I will never recover from that evening. All you had to do was go down there and shut him off. No. No, I didn't put him down there. That's on you. Also, in my defense, if it's defensible, the only reason I left him turned on in the basement was because I thought it was funny when Amy and her friends would go down there 
Amy would let them walk ahead of her, and Freddie would go off. That's defensible. It was a good time when it wasn't me. It was a bad time when it was only me in the house, and he was laughing in the basement. I can understand how that would be freaky, but it was just the batteries. Everybody was fine. Everyone was fine. We all came out of it, but I've never let it go. No, she has not. And I guarantee you, I watched a palate cleanser that night, and I didn't even watch anything scary. So, Oh, my gosh. Do you watch palate cleansers? Oh, obviously. I forget what episode it was, but I actually talked about that in a previous episode where I think I mentioned I like all this true crime, horror movies, blah, blah, blah. But I always watch a palate cleanser before bed. And I thought this was like a unique thing that I came up with, but I have sense on many articles and videos and whatever, seen other people talk about palate cleansers. And if you don't know, it basically is after you watch something scary or disturbing or sad, you watch something that makes you very happy. So maybe it's a sitcom or a cartoon or whatever, but something very upbeat and happy. So your brain goes to sleep with good vibes. My roommate and I in college, we were hanging out with these couple guys that were in our dorm and they wanted to watch a Saw movie. I don't, it it was terrible. I won't recover from that either. And we had to watch all of the movie Enchanted afterwards to palate cleanse before we could go to bed. Oh, yeah. See, I don't have to watch like a full movie, but I might do an episode of The Office or Parks and Rec or some Bob's Burgers. Something light. Something light. Or if my husband's with me, often we do The Simpsons because that's one we both enjoy. So There you go. All right. Well, I can name a thousand more horror movies that I love, but I won't. And we will leave it here. We hope everyone has... Or had, if you're listening to this after the fact, a fun and safe Halloween. Do it that what you will. Thanks for letting us talk at you. If you have any comments, corrections, or fun facts, or any scary movie recommendations, you can email us at 24hourexpert at gmail.com. Spell out all the words. It's also our website, Facebook, and Instagram. You can find us there. We'll talk to you next time. Bye. Oh. That wasn't that scary. <laughs> I tried. I wanted to be scarier than that. But okay. Okay. Bye. Thank you for listening to 24 Hour Expert. Our theme song is Lo-Fi World by Ricky Bambino. If you like this episode, please share it with a friend. And don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe so you're notified of future episodes. 